Hello and welcome. You're listening to Epic Podcast, Emergency Preparedness in Canada. My name is Grayson. And I'm Joshua. And this episode is entitled The Great ICS Debate. In this episode, Joshua and I go head to head to debate the merits and detractors of one of the most cherished and closely held disaster belief systems we have in Canada, the Incident Command System. Is it actually the right tool for the job? To this end, we'll be playing for you the epic debate, which was recorded live at the 2021 NATE Emergency Management Stakeholder Summit and moderated by Ryan Jesperson. All this and more on this episode of Epic Podcast, Current, Relevant, Canadian. Well, friends, uh, we're grateful to have you here with us for this uh, breakout session, the great ICS debate starring uh, Grayson Cockett and Josh Bazanson. These two gentlemen are not endeavoring to find synergy. They're not endeavoring to meet in the middle, though we'll see what happens. What they're endeavoring to do is effectively argue their position when it comes to the great ICS debate. My name is Ryan Jesperson. It's my honor to be moderating today's debate. One of the themes of this conference, as you know, is disruption. And what could be more disruptive than a debate? We need to issue a quick disclaimer for our speakers, okay? The positions that our debaters are defending were decided by the flip of a coin, okay? So the views and opinions that are presented during this debate do not necessarily reflect those of the debaters themselves. Now, they've asked me to pass along a special request to Tom Cox and the AEMA to please not revoke their ICS instructor status based on what may or may not be said here today. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please do mute your microphones and leave your preconceptions at the door. So ladies and gentlemen, in the green corner, wearing an ICS planning section chief vest, we have emergency medical services professional and healthcare disaster manager and epic podcast co-host Grayson Coggett. In the other corner, he is unrestrained by the shackles of ICS. We have another epic co-host, another podcast star here, a firefighter and a former Coast Guard member turned disaster researcher and emergency physician, my friends, Dr. Joshua Bazanson. Now, gentlemen, you're debating the following resolution and word for word, this is important. So pay close attention. Insofar as the incident command system is the most commonly used organizational system during emergencies, be it resolved that ICS is the appropriate universal tool for all disasters at all levels of emergency management in Canada. Grayson, you are arguing for this resolution. Joshua, you are arguing against. You have two minutes each for your opening statements. I will be holding you accountable to the exact time and you may begin now Grayson well thank you very much ladies and gentlemen future incident commanders and my esteemed emergency management colleagues who I know have spent countless hours teaching operating and improving the incident command system here in Canada I am here today to tell you what you already know the incident command system works it is a comprehensive all hazards crisis ready cistern governed by principles born from war and fire. It is capable of bringing responders from all walks of life and all areas of society together and organizing their diverse resources towards a common objective in times of strife. But most importantly, it is a pragmatic 
an action-oriented problem-solving machine which reflects the very values that our society prizes above all else by cutting out the noise and the paralysis by analysis and prioritizing the protection of life, property, and the environment. Now, during this debate, Josh will undoubtedly try to tell you that disasters are too big for a single system to manage, and to that I say, ICS is scalable. He may try to tell you that disasters are somehow too different or diverse, and to that I say ICS is flexible and adaptable. He may even try to tell you that we don't need a system because people will just magically work together, and to that I say we've already tried that and people got hurt. Let's not forget that the whole reason we have ICS today is to address common disaster problems such as lack of coordination or poor interagency communication that were identified from decades of disaster research on the same disasters that plague us today. But more than just being a response system, I believe that ICS is the way forward for resilience in Canada. We are a fragmented lot, and if the goal of emergency management is to move towards a whole of society response, then let ICS be the banner we all march under together. We desperately need to commit to a standardized vision of emergency management in, in Canada. And ICS, along with you, its champions, is what will get us there. Thank ICS you, Grayson. Is here. ICS Thank works you, and Grayson. ICS has bright future. Moderator, Canadian emergency management. cut his microphone. We demand <laughs> you cut his microphone. Thank you, Grayson, for that opening statement. Dr. Bazanson, your two minutes begins right now. Well, my fellow unit leaders, section chiefs, deputies, and technical specialists, I'm afraid we've all been led down the figurative garden path of the planning P. I'm sorry to inform you that we have been lied to about ICS because it is not the universal system for disaster management, nor the panacea for our profession, as we may have been taught. ICS simply can't be used to manage every disaster. And why? because disasters are not just big emergencies. What disaster science tells us clearly is that they produce epiphenomenon that defy linear solutions and classical day-to-day -day management strategies like ICS, which reward conformity over creativity, process over purpose, and forms over functionality. What may work in a routine emergency stops working in disasters, and that's why it's a disaster. Even if it was infinitely scalable, which it isn't, it wouldn't be limited by its size, but rather by its design. Now, for those ICS purists out there who seem to really love hierarchies, here's another hierarchy for you. The hierarchy of evidence. At the top of this research pyramid is the RCT or meta-analysis, and at the bottom is the expert advice, a talking head, or maybe in Grayson's language, a single resource. It's the lowest of the low. Well, let's be clear, maybe in, in ICS terms, that's probably the time unit, because I don't know any emergency manager that would volunteer for the time unit, but I digress. What I mean is there really is no evidence to support ICS. It's never been rigorously tested. And as evidence-based practitioners, we need to demand better evidence before we trust our communities to an unproven system. Saying that a FEMA PowerPoint told me so isn't good enough. Now, I've done an exhaustive review of the ICS literature over the past 50 years, and through this debate, I'm going to prove to you that ICS is not the universal solution to disaster, despite Grayson's passionate pleas. ICS may have a step forward at some point, but it's nothing more than a 50-year-old Five seconds, doctor. I'm done. Okay, there you have it. Right on the nose, Dr. Josh Bizantzen, though I should reserve comments, be it perceived as praise. This question... For Josh, since the introduction of ICS, almost every after-action report reviewing almost every major disaster in Canada 
has included the recommendation of additional ICS training. Given this overwhelming call for ICS, why do you continue to believe that it's the wrong tool for the job? You have two minutes. While Grayson tries to enroll you in this optimal span of control Ponzi scheme, let me tell you some hard truths. Anyone who has taken ICS knows it's wildfire origins, and you may even be familiar with the FireScope program that originally chartered the program from the U.S. Congress. It was created in 1972. But what most people don't know is that the original funding for FireScope actually ended before ICS was able to reach its final development stage. And that was the stage of mass coordination at a national level for large-scale disasters. The system is actually incomplete. But that shouldn't be a surprise because the answer is actually in the name. ICS is for incidents, not large societal shifting disasters or complex humanitarian emergencies. And the stock argument from After Action reports that ICS would have worked if only we had done more ICS training or that it's not the system's fault, it's just that you don't under understand ICS well enough. That's just a front for poor performance. Here's the proof. In 2000, Dana Cole and her colleagues did a, an analysis of ICS performance after the first 25 years of its creation. They surveyed, surveyed 25 experienced type one IMT members from California, many of whom were among the original creators of ICS. So literally there's nobody more qualified in ICS in the world. And even they admitted that ICS has many limitations that went beyond training that was rather related to the system itself. Chiefly, it struggled with integration of non-fire agencies and NGOs, it hampers decision-making processes when things become complex, and there was disagreement on how to modify the system when needed. There was also a trend towards mobilization overkill, which counters any claims for efficiency. If we look at more Canadian examples, and using a trendy GIS heat map, you could look at any EOC or, or ICP, it would be blistering red hot with ICS certification. So if 50 years hasn't been enough to get the training right, then maybe training isn't the problem that is your time doctor thank you very much Grayson two minutes <laughs> two minutes begins now listen Josh it, you do make some interesting points where ICS could stand to improve and your arguments would almost be persuasive if they weren't completely based on a straw man theory and a false premise but it is you're portraying ICS as this static immobile beast trapped in time and that simply isn't the case ICS especially in Canada is a constantly evolving constantly improving system every single day and perhaps even right now as we debate it we're making it more applicable to canada and more useful during disaster just look at practitioners like sandy mckinnon from ics canada who's constantly developing additional forms and, and training or tom cox who's essentially the definitive ics scholar from aema whose material i absolutely stole to make a lot of these arguments just look at the technological innovations that we've seen at this very conference with the CADEM Capstone Student Project, which brought traditional pen and paper resources of ICS into the digital age with powerful GIS tools that you seem to love so much. So if your argument is that ICS isn't finished, then yes, I agree with you. And it never will be, we'll continue to improve. But then if you're saying that just because it's not perfect, we should abandon all the hard work that all the people listening to this have done to bring ICS into their communities, waste the countless dollars spent on developing incident management team capabilities and undo the buy-in that we've generated, then you're not talking about making us more resilient, but less. This is about a commitment to emergency management and we have to use it to improve it. If there's an issue, I for one, trust the professionals in this room to improvise and adapt and overcome.
Okay, thank you very much, Grayson. This question is for you. Now, Josh has stated that, well, ICS may be effective. Uh, let me acknowledge something, full disclosure. I blew it. I blew it. And I gave you a minute 44 to respond to that. You were actually entitled to 60 seconds, but that's on me. So to even the playing field, Dr. Bizanson, you'll have a minute 44 hard time to respond to this. We will then return to the time schedule as it has been plotted out. So a minute 44 to respond to this from Grayson, who will have two minutes. Josh has stated that while ICS may be effective in small-scale incidents, it is not appropriate for complex disasters. Grayson, is this, in fact, the case? You know, finally, Josh and I agree on something that, yes, disasters are complex. Every first chapter of every disaster textbook ever written has said that, or more importantly, the lived experience of every disaster responder in this room reflects that disasters are indeed complex, but that's not new. That's always been the case, and this is something that ICS is prepared for, and one of the first steps in assessing incidents is a complexity analysis. Listen, Josh would have you believe that because the problems are so entrenched in society that there's nothing command and control can do, but in reality, that's what it does best. When Josh is trying to boil the ocean and solve all the problems of the world, ICS is focusing on urgent threats to life and problems that we can do something about right now. Do not fall into the trap of paralysis by analysis. And as the old adage goes, you know, the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. I should say that in the interest of addressing ICS priority of protecting the environment, you probably shouldn't eat elephants though. <laughs> and perhaps this idea of community issues versus incident issues is at the core of this issue. Yes, it is an emergency manager's role to identify and address vulnerabilities in their community. And the name for that activity is preparedness, not response. During response, it's our job to solve incident problems, not long-standing social inequities. While the complexities of society are important, when a fire is approaching your house or when a tornado has just struck your community and disabled your critical infrastructure, they're just not as urgent. The strength of ICS is that ability to clear the air, prioritize the most urgent problems and solve them in the simplest way possible. And I'm here to tell you, it is much easier to address vulnerable populations when their lives are no longer at risk. Finally, I would say that beyond the tools that ICS offers, the principles upon which it's based is applicable Five at seconds. all levels. The chain of command, management objective, all of those principles are absolutely Thank applicable. You. And don't be sidelined by this okay. process. By Thank you, Grayson. Thank you, Grayson. Hey, at least you didn't say there's more than one way to skin a cat. That's really <laughs> unpopular. More, popu more unpopular than eating elephants. Doctor, you've got a minute 44 tops. Thank you. I mean, I'm sure Grayson would love it if we all got ICS 9000 certified, but we just need to acknowledge the limits. And, and I'm not the only one saying this. The WHO, the World Food Program all agree with me, and they've come out publicly against command and control models. ICS training ought not to be the price of admission to help out in a disaster. Now, look, if ICS actually worked for complex disasters, nothing would make me happier. As an emergency manager, we could all sleep better at night, but it doesn't. And we're not talking just about principles here. The point speaks to a larger issue that we need to acknowledge here. That is that the dreaded term of modified ICS is actually the norm because pure ICS doesn't work. So people end up just using principles. 
And I don't have to tell you how, tell you how ironic that is because the whole system is supposedly supposed to be about standardization. Some emergency managers also say ICS is just a tool, but if that's the case, why can't we articulate when ICS is the wrong tool? Instead, what do we do? We play ICS theater. We put on some col colored vests and practice our own version of ICS anyways. Yes, I'm looking at you, Planning Section Chief Grayson over there. And lastly, it's important to note that uh, as the incidents take more complexity and become more complex, they get more emergent properties. Things like spontaneous volunteers are going to become inevitable, and they are the least likely to ever be integrated into an ICS structure. Thank you very much. This question, Josh, right back to you, and you'll have two minutes. Grayson, you'll have one minute to rebut his comments. ICS has been the primary management tool for disasters in Canada. So, and we've seen this question surface in the chat, you know it's coming. If not ICS, then what tool is needed? Wonderful, thank you. So here again, I will turn to the literature. So Buck and Trainer wrote an excellent critique of ICS in 2006, the Journal of Homeland Security and Emergency Management that echoes the calls of other disaster research greats like Corentinelli, Drabeck, Klein, and it's not about pitting one system against the other. It's not about ICS versus gold, bronze, silver, you know, the, the UK systems, but rather it's about challenging some of our close held beliefs about the benefits of the command and control model entirely. Concepts like unity of command, management by objectives and relying on an IAP may seem intuitive. And from a bureaucratic perspective, they're probably even comforting to us. They're reassuring. They look good on paper but the evidence does not actually support that they're doing what we want them to. Researchers looking at the recurrent problems of interagency cooperation, jurisdictional confusion and coordination found it was less to do with whether ICS was involved or rather uh, how much the agencies or responders had worked together, how much trust they had built into their community. ICS may have represented early attempts at systems level thinking, but is bounded by classical management theory. You can't write a smart objective for many of the problems that occur during complex disasters. So instead, we focus on the less important things that we can easily count and control, which is how we lose our way and become disconnected from the people we're trying to help. And when disaster response is viewed poorly by the public, then policymakers search for a solution, often doubling down on flawed assumptions. So as Professor David Etkin wrote, and I quote, the return to renewed emphasis on and a revived authority of the command and control paradigm with its emphasis on hazard control, response activities, hierarchical management, and legislated and defined authority was a backward step that made disaster management less effective and is typical of the knee-jerk type of response that often follows political crises, end quote. The UN has proposed Five another seconds. way without using uh, adaptive management approaches that sets the condition for recovery rather than prescribing Thank you, doctor. Thank you, doctor. Grayson, you have one minute to respond. Sorry, I was just finishing jotting down some of my notes on my ICS 234 on how wrong you were about all of your arguments. And I will now use this systematic tool to categorically reject all of your assumptions. Now, first and foremost, you basically said command and control doesn't work. You cited a bunch of evidence, but I have right in front of me the critical evaluation of the incident command system and national incident management system paper and in it, they state a number of incidents where it did work. The, the Pentagon, the Northridge earthquake, the Oklahoma City bombing, the Atlanta Olympics bombing, the grain elevator uh, explosion in Debruce. All of these use ICS systems appropriately. And when ICS is used appropriately, it works. The second issue that you brought up was the idea of groups Five that seconds. ICS can't work with and 
spontaneous volunteers is also often brought up and we can help them. More and Thank more you, groups Grayson. are taking ICS training and it works. That is your time, Grayson. Thank you. So we've heard some, some persuasive arguments here, but now it's time to sign off on your IAP and present your closing arguments. Josh, your one minute begins right now. While looking at the published systematic reviews of ICS and the bulk of all the literature, it is clear that ICS has many issues. And if we really want to do our best in serving our communities, it's time to start asking some tough questions. A common problem in research is attribution error or incorrectly assigning causality. So in those successful responses Grayson's talking about that used ICS, was it actually due to ICS or rather was it the creation of a response community beforehand, as authors like Buck point out? Despite widespread adoption, ICS is not evidence-based, which in part is due to the difficulties in studying a disaster. But what we do know are some of the prerequisite conditions that are required for ICS to be successful. So for all the time we spend learning the 14 ICS principles, maybe we should start also learning some of the prerequisites for ICS, which are incidents that are simple emergencies within a specified area with a predictable endpoint arising from known problems with relatively known solutions involving mostly official responders with shared training and experiences who have technical okay. confidence. And Thank trust. you, Joshua. We appreciate that. Grayson, you have 60 seconds for your closing argument. My answer is simple. Come together right now over ICS. In Canada, we are in desperate, urgent need of a unified command of a standardized common approach to disaster response and emergency management. This current scattered approach between agencies is exactly the issue that ICS was originally designed to address. It's scalable, it's flexible, it's adaptable, and like every system, it relies on the experts and emergency management practitioners to make it work. So Josh, if you can't trust the system, despite all of the reasons and evidence that it works, then trust the people, trust yourselves, and let's make ICS the way forward for comprehensive all hazards emergency management in Canada. ICS is here, ICS works, and ICS is the banner that we can all march under together. Thank you. Okay, Grayson, leaving some time on the table. So there you have it, gentlemen. Thank you for your arguments. Now, typically, this would mark the end of the debate, but hold off, we will. Uh, what am I, Yoda? On voting a winner for just a few more minutes, because next up, look at this, the vest is off. Next up is the traitor round. Yeah, that's right. In this round, both Josh and Grayson will be forced to adopt their adversary's point of view and deliver a passionate argument in favor of the position they just spent 20 minutes arguing against. So, gentlemen, you may begin your traitorous arguments now. Josh, you have three minutes. Great. It will be three minutes of silence. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. In all seriousness, I, I do, you know, as a, a as someone who's worked in the fire service for a long time, I do see the value of ICS and uh uh, certainly when you talk about hazard environments, high hazard environments, when you're implementing a planned response, you know, like a dangerous goods uh, event, uh, I think there are a lot of benefits and uh, it works exceptionally well for uh, the scope that we were talking about with, with localized uh, incidents and, and kind of smaller scale uh, events. I have to wonder if, just like a lot of things we do in emergency management, if it's not as much the actual product, but rather the process. So just like many people don't think the written emergency plan that you develop is as 
as important as the actual process of of uh, you know meeting people and developing a plan. I do wonder if ICS might have some of those bleed over benefits. I mean, getting people in a room for three days just to talk about disaster response who come from different agencies. You know, some of my ICS training, I've met uh, people from other agencies I never would have met, and I really found it enriched my perspective. And so I do think there is a lot of value maybe in the process of ICS training that that goes under recognized. So I'll definitely give it that uh, that point. At the end of the day, I think there are definitely some some benefits to it. Um, but ultimately, I have to think it's uh, it's operational period is over. Okay, Grayson, you have up to three minutes starting right now. All right, I hope you're ready for a rant. So let's push aside the facade here. I think it's clear that we're not just debating the incident command system. We are fighting for the very soul of disaster management. We're talking about the difference between command and control versus collaboration and coordination. The difference between treating a symptom or treating the disease. This is the difference between a first responder dominated, self-perpetuating disaster dictatorship, which promotes the vicious cycle of bank breaking response, followed by relapse, not recovery, or a whole of society approach to resilience, which engages and empowers those who would otherwise be cast as victims. The incident command system is not just an irritating, obsolete remnant of a bygone era of disaster theory with no place in a diplomatic country, let alone the social science profession of emergency management. It is actively hindering the growth of emergency management profession and the goal of a resilient future. And here are three reasons why. First off, ICS is logically flawed. At its core, ICS relies on a set of preconditions that do not exist during disaster. These are the existence of pre-identified resources, which can be typed or categorized, the use of strategies and tactics, which have a known or predictable outcome and a relationship between cause and effect that we've already experienced, and that community of practitioners that speak and share a common language. These features are embedded into every principle, every form, every smart objective that ICS has to offer, and it is these features that make ICS strictly a simple system incapable of addressing complex issues. In practice, ICS is inherently exclusionary. That principle of common terminology means that anyone who doesn't speak disaster ease can't be part of the response. This keeps the very people that own the disaster, that have the greatest stake in disaster response, the people we cast needlessly as victims outside the tape and outside of the incident. And these are the people we need during a complex incident. We are disempowering the very people that are responders during disaster. Now, before I bring up my last point, I'm gonna turn down the volume here a little bit. Um, we've had some fun and, and uh, talked about things that maybe we don't necessarily totally believe in. Uh, and of course the truth is somewhere in between, but this last point I actually very much um, believe in and it's near and dear to my heart. And that is that rigidly applying a simple system in a complex environment is a recipe for moral, moral injury. If you're unfamiliar with this concept, basically moral injury is a mismatch between your rule of belief and the result that you see. And in the case of ICS, we run the risk of sending people in to repair the delicate fabric of society armed with nothing but a sledgehammer. The only possible outcome is damage and not just damage to the response, but damage to the responders. If you apply ICS, as Five result, seconds. Uh, and as a result, fail to focus on complex issues, you run the risk of damaging your responders and please Thanks, for the Grayson. sake of of them take ICS uh, with a grain okay. of salt. Grayson that's fantastic. Thank you so very much. I want to read a, a few comments here before we move on. 
Uh, and I think that these are important to hear. Julian's been wondering the entire time, where's the popcorn for this? This has been great. Lori says, I've absolutely loved this. This has been super entertaining. Both of you are great. What we're doing is we're building up your self-esteem before we declare one of you the loser. It's exactly what we're doing. Natalie said, this was just absolutely awesome. Uh, I love this from uh, Sarah, who said this was such a great session. And Christine said, this is the best debate and civil discourse I've seen in a long time. Balanced and humorous. What a great session. Now, here's the deal. This officially marks the end of the debate. Now, with regards to who won or who lost, that's up to you now, the audience, to decide. The results are coming in, um, and unsurprisingly, it is a draw. Uh, the majority <laughs> of people think there's there's uh, certainly a role to play for ICS, um, but maybe there's some uh, truth to, to both arguments. So um, we've got somewhere in between leading. Uh, ICS is the way forward for disasters in a second place, and trailing behind, obviously, is Josh's argument of ICS doesn't work for complex disasters. Thank you so much for indulging us as we uh, tore each other apart. Um, and once again, uh, please, please, please don't revoke our ICS instructor status. Well, I have to say my blood is boiling once again, just listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the gloves definitely came off and there's nothing like a little bit of time pressure to really refine your argument. No doubt. And Ryan did such a good job of, of holding us to task and, and keeping us on time. I, I will say I wish I had better articulated my last point. And because this is not live, I am actually going to read out uh, what I would wanted to uh, present at the ICS. Fair enough. We'll, we'll allow it this one time, but <laughs> I'd like to note for the uh, listeners, you are uh, now in overtime. <laughs> That's right. Rigidly applying a simple system in a complex environment is a recipe for moral injury. If you're unfamiliar with the concept, moral injury essentially occurs when you have placed your beliefs and faith in something that ends up being wrong. In the case of ICS, we run the risk of sending people in to repair the delicate fabric of society armed with nothing but a sledgehammer. The only possible outcome is damage, and not just damage to the response, but damage to the responders. If you apply ICS and as a result fail to focus on the outside of the tape issues, you may have failed the community despite doing what you were supposed to do. If you, if you depart from ICS in an attempt to fix that, then you'll be criticized for not using the tool which, may I remind you, is now required by emergency management law in Alberta. It's a no-win scenario. So for the sake of our responders, for the sake of our communities, and for the sake of logic, please break the vicious cycle of response and recovery, which is really just response and relapse, and move to resilience. Right on. Well, I feel that must have been your um, devil's advocate section, was it? Oh, yes. That was the traitor round <laughs> part of the debate. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, you know, I like, I like what you're saying there. I don't, uh, <laughs> don't have any disagreements. You know, one of the things that I uh, really liked about your debate was that term ICS theater. And I was not the only one. In fact, we got uh, a reply from someone we mentioned in the debate, Mr. Tom Cox, who is one of the foremost Alberta ICS uh, instructors, and I would say philosophers. And here's what he <laughs> had to say about our debate. Gentlemen, I understand from multiple sources that the great ICS debate was both entertaining and informative. This is unacceptable. ICS discussions, especially from knowledgeable, passionate practitioners and instructors, should never be entertaining, let alone informative. Uh, he goes on to say he was sorry he wasn't there, but takes issue with a couple of other points we made. Uh, first of all, 
the how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time argument I made. Um, turns out there's been multiple instances of elephants being used in response and he wants to just reiterate, do not eat the response elephants. Uh, finally, when it comes to ICS theater, he says this for you, Josh. You do realize this adds a whole new dimension to the term ICS staging area. Was Fort McMurray ICP simply a staging of Macbeth with vests? So some food for thought <laughs> and uh, thank you very much, Tom, for not revoking our ICS instructor status and replying. Absolutely, much appreciated. And uh, yeah, that's certainly my one contribution. Uh, the term I, I like to uh, say I coined was ICS theater and uh, that's, a, that's a hot take for sure um i i just truthfully grayson i don't know how i lost i don't know what to say <laughs> well i would love to rub it in your face but there might have actually been a little bit of voter fraud going on <laughs> i have to admit uh so i set up a survey and lots and lots of people over 200 people uh submitted their answers but because i'm a giant cheapskate i did not pay for the pro version of the survey and it capped the answers uh, at 100. So 100 people who were surveyed <laughs> think I won, but the other 140 uh, did not get counted. Okay, so maybe not the most scientific of polling systems there. You're, you're <laughs> luckily, lucky no one's riding in the streets. Uh, uh, I'll that's, point that's to my right. sign, no more 204, no more 204. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think the point is that the debate is very much still alive, very much undecided, and if you would like to join the conversation, please do reach out. Absolutely, and also to finish, I just have to apologize uh my cheap shots on the time unit if there's any hardcore time <laughs> unit leaders out there i i do apologize i respect your uh position and, and you are part of the uh the org chart <laughs> i'll leave it there <laughs> and that's all for this episode of epic podcast a big thanks to ryan jesperson for keeping us from descending into chaos and to nate for taking the risk of having us speak at their very first virtual conference thanks for listening you've been listening to an epic podcast production a proud partner of the International Association of Emergency Managers Canada and a member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. As always, Epic Podcasts are designed as a supplementary educational tool for the EM professional on the go. The views and opinions explored during this podcast do not necessarily represent the agencies or organizations that we or our guests may belong to. For more information about the show or the people on it, visit our website at epicpodcast.ca or follow us on Twitter at username Epic Podcast. Stay tuned for more on the next episode of Epic Podcast, current, relevant, Canadian. <laughs>